Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. And before we get started, TJ, I want to just say you sound a little bit down in the dumps today. Is there a reason? Yeah. Yes, grumpy old man. Um, no secret. I didn't want the Islanders to go ahead and make a trade. Um, this trade deadline for a guy like Jean Gabriel Pajot. Um, I know he, I'm sure he's being well received by the Islanders community, and he plays Islander style hockey. He is everything the Islanders love to have on their team. I love a player like him. The biggest issue I had again was we didn't address a need for top end offensive talent. And we went ahead and gave up a first, a second, and a conditional third if we win the Stanley Cup. Um, and it's a trade that I don't think really came as a shock to myself or you, the grumpy old man. We've been talking about Jean-Gabriel Pajot being penned to the Islanders for about a good solid three weeks. Um, it, it doesn't really come as a shock. I, I thought the price was just too much. And and then we signed him there to an extension, and I'm happy we did. I mean, if you gave up all that for a rental who doesn't sign back – I mean, you're talking about real mismanagement of assets. That being said, I mean, we signed a guy who's going to be our third-line center for the foreseeable future for $5 million a year. Yeah, I I, I like J.G. Pajot. I like him. Um, I think he's a really good player. I think he fits in with this team like a glove. We wildly overpaid for him. I mean, you're giving up a first and a second-round draft pick uh, for a third-line center. I mean, that's true. Uh, he is exactly what Barry Trotz likes, though. I mean, he he that, he's tailor-made for this team. I love the fact that he stuck up for Del Cole after he got run over by um, – who run him over? Oh, Truba. Truba. Uh, and by the way, that was not a dirty hit by Truba. Uh, some, you know, hey, Del Cole's skating across the center of the ice with his head down. You're going to get lit up. I had no problem with it. But to J.G. Pajot's pre- um, uh, credit, he went right in there and went after Truba. I mean, I, I, he looks like he's about half a foot shorter than him. Uh, I didn't like the fact that he got ejected, honestly, um, because that doesn't happen a lot. And I didn't like the fact that it happened uh, Tuesday night. There's a lot of times when there's a body check and they start to fight. And I never see guys getting tossed for instigator. I thought that was a bad, bad call. That's neither here nor there. I think J.G. Pajot is going to be a good addition to this team. I think he's a smart player. He's willing to do dirty work. I like him a lot. Um, I just, But if anyone who listens to this podcast or any Islander fan period thinks that that's going to put us over the top, they're mistaken, sadly mistaken. That's, that's not going to happen. And it is only for a first and a second because there's no way we're winning the Stanley Cup this year. So you don't have to worry about the third. Well, I think – and again, I don't want to – I don't want to come off as a Debbie Downer. I think J.G. Pajot definitely helps out our team. There's no doubt about it. The Islanders can go back to rolling four lines. We looked dominant for the better half of 30-plus minutes against the Rangers yesterday. I mean, we're recording this podcast here on Wednesday evening. Uh, but we looked dominant for long stretches against the Rangers. We just can't finish. Uh, we just can't finish. Yeah. We, and when you look at not being able to finish, is a multitude of reasons. I it's not puck luck. It just isn't. Um, it, it just comes down to, you know, when the brass tacks, we just don't have the offensive talent and creativity to go ahead and really set us apart and put up a lot of goals. I mean, we didn't have it last season. 
Um, we're, we were bottom 10 in the NHL in scoring. And this year, we're going to finish bottom 10 in the NHL in scoring again. We've talked about this on other podcasts. In the last 10 years, the only team in NHL history, or I'm sorry, no point for me to say history, but in the last 10 years, the only team in the NHL to win a Stanley Cup while being bottom 10 in the NHL in scoring is the Los Angeles Kings. The Los Angeles Kings have Hall of Fame goalie and Jonathan Quick. They have guys like Drew Dat. They have so much talent. And they had some offensive talent and guys like Kopitar and sprinkled all throughout. That being said, it's really tough to win a Stanley Cup when you can't score goals. You have to have unbelievable goaltending and unbelievable defense. I think our defense is good. We don't have a goalie like Jonathan Quick was in his prime. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame caliber guy. You know, I remember you didn't like Jonathan Quick. I always was trying to tell you how good Jonathan Quick was. It's nice to see you finally coming around to what the grumpy old man said years ago. So maybe there's hope for you being educated as we move forward. Uh, That said, uh, how many chances did Anders Lee have in front of the net? Jordan Eberle have in front of the net? I mean, Eberle scored a nice goal. But, I mean, they're standing right in front of the net, and the puck's right there, and they just can't put it in. Uh, And I'm going to tell you again. This team offensively goes as Matt Barzell goes, period, end of sentence, end of story. Uh, I just, like I said, I don't want to dwell too much. You're right. We played a good game the other day. We really did. But it was painful. You look at the Panarin goal. They He got that pass, and bang, that thing was in the back of the net. Our players just don't have that skill level that he has. They just don't, with the exception of Matt Barzell. And he's a more of a passer than a shooter. And as much as I like JG Pajot, he's not going to help that. Um, and I don't. I'm not a fan of giving away draft picks, uh, especially first rounders, unless you're getting a really elite piece of talent moving forward. And you know, as much as like I said, I like Pajot, he is not that. Well, grumpy old man, I feel like I have to go ahead and kind of let you know what the vibe is on um, the social media for Islanders. I've been kind of looking around since the NHL trade deadline. And people think that he's really going to add some offensive pop to our team. I don't believe it. Um, and you heard it yesterday in the broadcast. Um, Brandon Burke was talking about it. He comes over and checks a lot of boxes, Barrett Trot says. He's the leading scorer on our team. He's got 25 goals now. Mind you, he's shooting over 18% on the season, which is not sustainable. Um, career high in points this year, it will be. It's only the second time in his NHL career he's, he's reached the 40-point plateau. The first time he's ever scored 20 goals in a contract year. I think he's a good player. I think J.G. Pajot brings what we're looking for as a third-line center. He does. I think, again, a guy who can play the penalty kill, a guy who can p- produce on the power play. He's gritty. He sticks up for his teammates after being there one day. I mean, we can't. I can't speak highly enough about that type of character. That is unbelievable character. That being said, we gave up a first and a second round pick for a guy who's going to be a third line center. Yeah. And some Islander fans think that draft picks don't matter. They, well, even our head coach seems to think that draft picks really aren't that all important, grumpy old man. Okay. Well, I'll address both. First, I'll address fans who think draft picks don't matter. They're morons. Anyone who says that is a moron because the draft and the salary cap year of any sport is the absolute lifeblood of your team. Cost certainty for 
you know, how many years, what, seven, eight, six, seven, eight years, whatever it is before they reach unrestricted free agency. So anyone who says that is a fool uh, and especially first and second round draft picks, that's where the majority of your NHL talent comes from. I mean, you, I mean, you know, if you look at how many players actually uh, make teams and play in the NHL from the first and the second rounds after that, it really drops precipitously. So, um, for someone who says that, I really question. It's it's hard to even have a conversation with people like that because they obviously don't know what they're talking about. Barry Trotz, on the other hand, he knows exactly what he's talking about. I know what you're what you were alluding to, where he said, you know, oh, the draft picks. You know, who knows if they're going to pan out? Well, I hate to tell you, that's the way every coach talks because he'd much rather have somebody who can play for him now as opposed to somebody who's got to wait three or four years to play for. Him. I mean, so I understand what he's saying. Now, if he really believes that draft picks aren't really important, then he's a moron too because everyone knows why. I mean, hey, why would Connor McDavid, he was a draft pick, right? Everybody in the league is a draft pick. I mean, it's just, it's fool, it's stupid. It's just, it's really foolish and stupid. Well, to provide some context, his exact quote was, what a great pickup by Lou. And at this point, he's talking about Jean-Gabriel Pajot and the acquisition of him. So he says, what a great pickup by Lou. The picks are nothing. I can tell you that. A lot of picks never play. Yeah, sure. A lot of picks never play. And for him to say the picks are nothing, a very uncouth way of talking about it, in my opinion. But if you look at draft picks and who is successful throughout their career in the NHL, you have a higher success chance rate when you're a first-round pick. just how it goes. And then the second-round pick, it diminishes a little bit, and it diminishes some more when you get to the third round, and the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. Okay. To say draft picks don't mean anything, uh, if you don't draft well, your team sucks. That's just that's just bottom line. If your team does not draft well, your team sucks. So for him to say something, and here's the thing, I can understand why Barry Trotz says he doesn't care about draft picks because he won't play any young players. you got to be in the league 15, 20 years before he'll play you. I mean, we've seen it this year. I mean, you know, like I said, it's just, it's just coach speak and, you know, whatever the organization says we're going to go with, whatever they do is great. I mean – uh, you know, and I'm I'm not somebody who's going to, you know, the grumpy old man. If I see something that's wrong, I'm going to say it. And if the Islanders do well, I'm going to say it. But when they do something stupid or say moronic things like that, Barry Trotz, I'm going to call you out on that. Because anyone who says that draft picks don't mean anything, well, guess what? You won't be winning any more cups with this team if you don't think we need to draft better than we have. Yeah, it, again, I think it was perhaps he was caught in the moment. Um, he saw the way Jean-Gabriel Pajot performed yesterday, and I thought he played well. Um, given, I mean, wasn't a fantastic goal, but, you know, when you put yourself in good position, fortuitous bounces are going to come your way. So, again, he was in good position. He had the wherewithal to know that perhaps the ball, the puck might go ahead and bounce and cream off the boards, and it went right to, right to his opportunity. And, I mean, it was a wide-open net for him to go ahead and cash in on. That being said, I thought it was a very uncouth way for Barry Trotz to say that, you know, he would much rather have a player now who can contribute than a first and a second round pick. That being said, I think you're 100% right. If you don't draft well, 
and you take that approach that the NHL draft isn't important, you could just go ahead and throw a whole bunch of dice out there, and whatever name pops up is going to be a successful pick for you. You know, if you look at percentages, it's just a that's it's not a very intelligent way to go ahead and, and evaluate who could possibly lead your team to the glory land. I'm going to make it real simple for Barry Trotz and anyone else who wants to question not using draw not where the draft picks don't matter. In the salary cap era, you only ha- and particularly the NHL, you only have so much money to spend every year. So if you don't have guys like Matt Barzal who makes what $900,000 a year uh, and all these other young guys um, who are making you know, really low money, then you can backfill with veterans. When you sign veterans, they're not going to sign for league minimum. And if they do, you know, they're not real good. So, I mean, I just, it's beyond my comprehension that he would even say something like that. Like I said, coaches want players now. And I, I, I said, I love JG Pasha. I know you're not a super big fan is I love him. I just think a first and a second for a third line center was an awful lot to pay. An awful lot to pay. Just like a second round pick for a 37-year-old defenseman who's only going to be here for two months is an awful lot to pay. I mean, when you when you're pissing away first and second round draft picks, you're just setting yourself up to be a failure in the future. Period. Yeah, and I will speak to that. I mean, that's a good transition point because I don't want to harp too much on that comment. I mean, it was a very, very, very it was almost in passing. I mean, it was during the post-game interview. Um, and it was just one line, so I don't want to harp too much on it. Uh, that being said, good news, Andy Green is not hurt uh, severely, I guess you could say. Um, he's day-to-day right now. When he went crashing into the boards and I saw him lifting his arm up above his shoulder and kind of you know, looking a little rusty in his movements, I was worried that it would have been something like a torn lat. Uh, and again, I was wrong, thank goodness. Um, torn, I, but, I thought you said a torn labrum. When we spoke all torn labrum, torn lat. I don't know. I threw a whole bunch of things out there on the wall. Yeah, well, it's definitely not a lat. Now I could see there his labrum being torn a little bit. You know, maybe not where he's got to stop playing, but the way he, they were doing those exercises, I was concerned for him. I did say torn labrum to you off air, but I had totally forgotten because uh, I also said torn torn lat, perhaps, uh, in a different example. So you know, I, I, I again, I don't know. I mean, I was just looking at it with my unprofessional eyes. And I was just taking random guesses. Yeah. Um, and I think Andy Green's played okay for us since he's been there. I got no complaints about it. I just don't believe in giving up second high-round draft picks for 37-year-olds. I just I just don't think – for a team that is not going to win the Cup this year. You look at Tampa Bay. They traded a first-round pick for uh, Goudreau from San Jose, who's an okay player. He's got a little bit of, uh, little bit of sand in his pants. Um, and I thought that was an overpay. That said, they're close to winning the cup. They that's what they need is a little bit more grit on their team, and he'll definitely bring that. So I could see you overpaying because you're one of the favorites to win the cup. The Islanders are not. We're not even. A, I mean, we might not even make the playoffs. I mean, and that's why that's the problem I have with giving up draft picks. Is you give up draft picks and you're not making the playoffs. Boy, those are high picks that you're giving up. And it's ta- young talent that you're not going to have moving forward. Yeah, if you if you don't make the playoffs this season, and I think they will, 
um, given there's certain issues they definitely have to take advantage of. They have a tough stretch in March where they nine of the ten teams they face are teams that are either right now in the playoffs or are on the bubble of making the playoffs. And again, that is a time period we really have to capitalize on. Um, that being said, I think we do make the playoffs. But in your scenario, let's say something crazy happens and we don't make the playoffs. You're right. You're drafting 15 or below. And I get it. It's a lottery-protected pick. But in the same token, it's I – I don't know. If you give up a first-round pick, you, you better have been playing really good hockey as of late and you think you can legitimately make a real playoff run. And, again, if, we've talked about it on multiple podcasts. If you take out – the 17 game point streak in the first 20 games of the season, where we went 16, three and one. Our team is, I think it's now Grump Build Man, and I might be wrong. I think we're 19, 17 and six after to last night's overtime loss. I mean, we've been average in every single sense of the word. Um, but I thought we played well last night and we're moving towards the right direction. It's going to be, it's going to be nice to continue to see um, Jean Gabriel Pajot continue to mesh with the team. I think it does allow guys like Broussard to move back to wing. And they talked about it uh, actually in the broadcast yesterday. It allowed them to go ahead and reunite the line of Bavillier, Broussard, and Brock Nelson. And we talked about it when they were on that big 17-game point streak. That line was the best second line in all of hockey. They were hot. They were scoring goals and putting up points left and right. And they split up the line. Again, we've, we've talked about why they did it. They shouldn't have. Um, but they did because they wanted to spread the scoring out more equally. I didn't agree with it. Neither did the grumpy old man. And now they get to go ahead and reunite that line again. I mean, that line was the best second line at the time period in hockey for that 20-game stretch. Yeah. Like I said, the only thing that could have stopped that line was Barry Trotz, probably because they were scoring too much. So, you know, we want we don't want that. We want to win every game one nothing two to one, so we broke them up for some inane reason. Uh, didn't work. Um, there's a shocker. And uh, I just want to say one more thing about JG Pajot and Barry Trotz. When he says that he's that Barry that he's our leading scorer, he's not. He scored one goal for us. You can't count anything he scored for Ottawa because they run a different system. I'm going to guarantee you he's not going to score another 15 goals for our team this year. We just play a different style of hockey. And it's not conducive to goal scoring. And he, if anyone expects him to be a 30-goal scorer going forward, they're mistaken there too because it's just not the way we play. That's enough on that. Well, not only – and I want to speak to that. And I don't want to – again, I don't want to talk too much about him. But for the fans out there who think that he could be a 30-goal scorer or he could be you know, a consistent 20-plus goal-a-year guy, the only thing I'm going to say – is in Ottawa. He played on the first line. He played on the first power play unit. He played on the shorthanded situations. He was playing 19 plus minutes a night. And when he goes to the Islanders, his minutes are going to drop. Yep. He rolls four lines. Uh, Barry Trotz does. He always has. He always will. So he won't be out there in the prime situations. He won't be playing first line minutes. He won't be playing 19 plus minutes a game. It's just not going to be the situation. So he will have less chances to put the puck in the net. His points are going to drop. I mean, if you're just looking at it from that aspect, sure. And to speak on it, even bad teams have to have players who score. Yep. They do. And when you're playing on the first line, you're getting those prime opportunities and chances, and you're being thrown out there when games possibly might be out of hand. I mean, Ottawa's not a good team. You're going to have a chance to possibly put up some points. Yeah, that said, I like JG Pajot. You know, you know, I've I like I've always liked him. Uh, but I have a question for you. 
after watching that game Tuesday night, who would you rather? What roster would you rather have? Would you rather have the Rangers roster or the Islanders roster? Oh, grumpy! Don't do this! Don't do this to me. I'd rather have the Rangers roster. They two years ago they sent out. Uh, matter of fact, it was a year and a half ago they sent out a letter to their fans. We're going to rebuild. You know, blah blah blah. We're going to you know we're going to move players, and they turned that team around in two years. And I'm going to give you credit. You said to watch out for the Rangers for the playoffs. I'm going to tell you what the Rangers. They're a threat. They are a threat to make the playoffs and beat us out this year. That's all I'm going to say. Their goaltending, even with uh, Shesterkin out, uh, Grigoriev kind of owns us. And he played well again the other night. Um, and I, But I just want to mention one thing about the game. I know I'm kind of all over the place today, but you know that's just the way the grumpy old man rolls. You know that. TJ is my handler as opposed to rein me in, but sometimes he can't. And today's one of those times. The Rangers – put two guys, I mean, right in front of the goalie, right in front of Varlamov. And, you know, they scored how many goals tipping them in from there, right? Two goals, however many was. But they got goals right in front. You look at our guys, no one's in front of the goalie. I mean, Lee is kind of, but he's not really in the paint. The one time he gets near the paint, they get a disallowed goal. Um, but that said, that's where, that's where he needs to be all the time. Brock Nelson needs to be in front of the goalie. Not standing off to the side. I realize he got a goal on that play, but I want the guys. You need to block the goalie's vision. If you're going to let them see pucks, they're going to make saves all night long. I just don't think we have enough grit on this team. And that was the one thing I say about JG Pajot. He came in. You'd never see anybody else jumping in and sticking up for a player. This guy's on the ice for ten minutes, and he's already jumping and stepping up for teammates. How many times you see our guys get run, and we just kind of stand around and look? A lot, a lot. Well, I actually want to talk about the game a little bit about the Rangers. I'm glad you brought it back up. To answer your question, which was, I guess, given a while ago, whose roster would I rather have? Um, yeah, It's going to hurt me to say it, but I probably would rather have the Rangers. I love guys like Matt Barzal. I think, I, again, I'm like I'm attached to the guy. He's our franchise. He's our franchise player, in my opinion. And, you know, I've been watching the Islanders for years and years and years. That being said, if I'm talking about a team that's, it looks like it has a bright future. The Rangers, I mean, they got a lot of young players and they're starting to produce. Um, and I do remember now that I remember the Rangers fans pitching a fit because they were a borderline playoff team. And they came out and they said, we're going to rebuild. And the fans pitched a fit. And, I, you know, looking back on it, you know, they, they did the rebuild the way you're supposed to do it. And I, I don't think the Rangers will make the playoffs. I, I And I know you're now on that train. I just said to watch out for the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to make a push. I don't know if they have enough to continue to sustain this winning streak. Well, not necessarily winning streak, but this hot streak they've been on. It's really tough to do that for an extended time period. I think they will return back to earth. I don't think they're as good as they have been playing as of recent. Um, that being said, I think they're a team that, you know, will be around the playoff pitcher until the last day or so. The majority of their good players are young players. I mean, their future is bright. The majority of our core are older players. Our future is not as bright. That's the way I look at it. I'll go with the young player every time over an older guy. Um, unfortunately, that's not the path that we're taking in this organization right now. And it's just not a recipe for success long term. That's all. And that's that's what that's why I asked that question. 
Yeah, and I also want to address the referees. Oh, my gosh. I, I try not to talk about the referees. There were a few different situations. I mean, obviously, they were letting them play yesterday. I have no issue with it. I mean, it was playoff-style hockey. Um, I, I know it was called a no-goal on the ice, but I don't really think Anders Lee interfered all that much. I, I knew they were just going to say the call stands. If they called it a goal, they were going to say the call stand or stood. And if they called it a no goal, they were going to say the call stood. It's like one of those pass interference penalties uh, that you see that gets reviewed in football or one of those spot penalties you see in a football game that gets reviewed. You know, Unless it's egregious, they're just going to say, yeah, the call in the field stands. Um, they're not going to go ahead and go against what they called. Um, that being said, I, I thought the hit against Michael Del Cole in today's game, that's a dirty hit. That's a penalty. And 15, 10, 15 years ago, that's not a penalty. But when it comes down to it, the guy had his head down. Shouldn't have had his head down, but he did. And, I mean, he definitely targeted the head. I mean, the first thing he made contact was with his head. I thought when I originally saw the play, he hit his shoulder. And what we saw was the head going back in a ricochet motion because he'd made such big contact with the shoulder. Uh, upon further review, you notice uh, it was actually the head. I mean, he zeroes in. He targets it. He uh, he, he hit him right in the head. I, you know, I don't buy the, you know, he left his skates. You see the elbow following through. If you look at any check, every single player just about leaves his skates. So, I mean, that's a real subjective one you can go ahead and throw in. Um and I don't know how the Islanders walked away on the penalty kill after that hit in the fight. I, and that's that's the thing that boggled the mind the most. If you don't want to go ahead and call it, um, you know, a, a, an unsportsmanlike or not an unsportsmanlike, but if you want to go ahead and, and throw Troop out of the game, sure I understand. If you want to say it wasn't, you know, no malicious intent behind that hit, sure I understand. But I don't understand how the Islanders got the instigator penalty after that. That's the thing that kind of boggled my mind, and we ended up on a penalty kill. That's that's what I brought up earlier. I, there's no way I thought he – how many times you see an open ice hit, and that's just the wussification of hockey, all right? We don't want to throw body checks anymore. That's a clean hit. That's a clean hit. I don't care. It's a clean hit. He was skating across the trolley tracks, and he got run over by the train. Don't do it. I mean, it's not figure skating. It's professional hockey. Um, that said, the only guy who really jumped in was JG Pajot and he immediately did it. Now, how many times you see something like that? A guy gets hit and there's an automatic fight. They never toss anybody out. They never throw an instigator penalty ever. I mean, and that's the problem I had with that. The Anders Lee, that was no interference. Absolutely not. Uh, I thought Butch described it well. Gregoriev just he couldn't see around him. That's why you get a guy right in front of the goalie's face and not two, three foot from the crease. You get right in front of him, so he has to look back and forth. That's that's how that's how goals are scored. And we need to do more of that. Um and you're right, since it was called a no goal on the ice, they were not going to change the call. They never do. Uh, but that was a good goal. Um, that said, I think that actually fired us up a little bit. And I, th- I mean, I thought we played as good as we could play. We just don't have enough talent to finish. We just – those are just the facts. And until we do some revamping of this roster by getting more talented first-line players on this team to play with Matt Barzal, we're going to suffer this. This just what It's just what it's going to be, unfortunately. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's a tough stretch for the Islanders. It really is um, because y- – we haven't been playing great hockey. 
Um, I disagree. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. We have been playing good hockey. We've been the last couple. We've been playing really good hockey. We just don't have the talent to push us over to the top. That's all I'm saying. We're playing as good as we can play. We have not been getting the results. Let me rephrase that. I think we did play good for 30 minutes, and then you saw it yesterday. We'd have monumental defensive collapses in the transition game that led to a wide-open opportunity for the Rangers. Um, if we're talking about consistency, no, I don't think we've had it as of late. And I don't think any team can play a consistent game for 60 minutes. If they would, I mean, they'd be the best team in the league where they'd be the most consistent team in the league. I mean, last year we were extremely consistent all throughout the season. And, I mean, we I know we had periods where we'd come out and we'd look like we were skating in sand. Um, but we always managed to go ahead and still hold things together and prevent the other team, the opposing team, from scoring. Uh, that being said, this year hasn't been the case. Uh, we have a real tough stretch, though, Grumpiel. I mean, we have really two two tough games in a row um, yeah. coming up. Those are two losses for us. We play the St. Louis Blues tomorrow, which is Thursday, and then we play the Boston Bruins on Saturday when Butch Goring's number will be retired. Yep. And those I predict two losses for us. I I think St. Louis is going to remember the game earlier in the year when they had us down and out and just let us back into the game for a win, and we don't match up with Boston. Those are just – that's just the way it is. Yep. And then you have starting uh, March 7th. A tough stretch of 10 games uh, where you're going to be playing playoff caliber teams every single night. I mean, and even after that, I mean, if you want to extend it a little bit further, uh, past the 19th when we play the Maple Leafs, which I'm looking forward to that game. Anytime we get to play the Maple Leafs, I'm excited. I mean, I know they just recently lost to a Zamboni driver. Um, you want to talk about an NHL story. That's one grumpy old man. I mean, he did give the up guys, two shots. He did give up two shots on his first two uh, two goals on his first two shots. I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, for a forty-one-year-old Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies, which is a Toronto Maple Leafs AHL affiliate, for him to come in for the opposing team, the Carolina Hurricanes, and to win the game—wow, what a story! I, and again, I you know the Hurricanes had a great time with it. You know their their Twitter page obviously uh, had a great time with it, and good for him. But man. Toronto, I know they, they started off pretty poorly this season, but you look at a team with a lot of offensive talent that doesn't have any defensive continuity at all. That's a team that really needs to restructure to focus on the defensive side. Yeah, uh, we've been saying that for years. And when Lamarillo was the GM there, he didn't manage to do that either. So, I mean, I just – I question that the game has kind of passed him by at this stage. Um, the last two stops he's had – he had all the offense in the world in Toronto and couldn't manage to pick up any defenseman to play for your team. And here the Islanders, he's loaded with defensemen and he can't manage to pick up anyone who can put the puck in the net. So I don't know. You know, it is what it is, I guess. But sometimes the game passes everyone by at some point in time, and that might has happened. Maybe that's happened with Lamarella. Well, Grumpy old man, I want to ask you, do you think the Islanders are making the playoffs? No, I don't think we're making the playoffs. I just I just I just think at this point, we are playing as good as we could possibly play, and we're not getting the results. You can't say that uh, – I mean, look at the Rangers the other night. I mean, really, we pretty much dominated them the whole game, and we don't come away with the W. And I didn't think their goalie was fantastic. Uh, 
you know, they made a couple of, I mean, they made some nice deflections in front of the net. They get their guys right in front of the goalie, make it difficult for the goalie. That doesn't seem to be the way that we do it. We stand off to the side and hope a puck kind of bounces out to us to poke in the side of the net. Um, you know, you look at Philadelphia, it doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. You look at Carolina, look at the meal, the deals that they made picking up Vinny Trocheck for, you know, a guy who's a fourth liner. Um, and uh, a guy who's a third liner. I mean, Vinny Trocek, tell me that's not a deal you would have liked to have him come to the Islanders. I mean, I love Vinny Trocek. I thought he was great when he played in Florida. He had a 75-point year. He had a bad injury last year. But uh, I thought that was a fantastic deal for uh, for the Hurricanes. I think they probably did the best out of all the teams in playoff contention uh, for who the pickups and what they gave up. I mean, I just now I think they still need a goalie. And speaking of goalies, our friend Robin Leonard got traded uh, to, to Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, and the, the return on him was marginal. I'm surprised that Carolina wasn't in on him, honestly. Just just, just what I'm just saying. But, you know, as far as the playoff, I just think we're going to struggle making the playoffs. I think the Rangers are a real threat. I really do. What are they, three points, wow. what are they, three points behind us now? I think yes. That's – I mean, I, I don't know their schedule, to be honest with you, but I know we have a tough schedule coming up. And, I mean, they've won, I think, 11 of 12 games. So they're hot right now, and we're not. And it's definitely the right time of the year to get hot. Um, and, and I don't know if you talk, uh, grumpy old man, the Carolina Hurricanes, they lost Dougie Hamilton. And and before he went out, he was also a guy in contention to go or in, in contention to go ahead and, you know, win the defenseman. Of the, I, I don't think he would have beat John Carlson. But in the same token, I mean, he was definitely up there in contention to go ahead and be the best defensive, the best defenseman in the league. And they picked up Scribe from the from the Rangers, though. I mean, he was he was. I honestly think if he was healthy, he would have been close to a Norris Trophy again. I think John Carlson still would have won it, but Dougie Hamilton, that trade that they made with the Cal uh, the uh, the Calgary Flames has really worked out for the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. I know he's hurt right now, but I. I think Dougie Hamilton is exactly what you're looking for in a defenseman. He's big. He could skate. He's offensively gifted, and he also plays defense. You didn't think that was a good trade at the beginning of the year, as I remember. You didn't think that. Was I probably I, when it, when the trade originally happened, I probably didn't think it was I, a good trade. I thought they gave up a lot. I thought it was a great trade for him. I've always liked Doug Hamilton. Um, you know, he's a little he's a little ornery, and uh, he's not the uh, the warm and fuzzy in the locker room type, but. He's a good player, and he always has been. Um, and I, he's obviously a really good fit in Carolina. Like I said, with Vinny Trocek, I mean, that, that was a great pickup by them. Just great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of plays out, uh, grumpy old man. I If I had to pin us, if we're making the playoffs right now, I'm going to say we do. And it's going to be close. I don't think we're going to be the three-seed in the Metro, I think we're coming in a wild card spot. I mean, right now, I think we're in a wild card position. If we make the playoffs, it's going to be in a wild card spot. And we have a really tough road ahead of us. And again, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. And Butch and Brennan talked about it. You have to go over five hundred this last stretch. And there's going to be a lot of teams playing a lot of teams. Oh, there are going to be teams that are always going to be playing playoff caliber teams every single night. And you have to hope to go more than 500 against those teams. And that's something I, I think the Islanders can do. 
that being said, it very well the Islanders might not be able to do that. I mean, we've been mediocre since the first 20 games of the year. Do I think that Andy Green and John Gabriel Pajot helped the team out? Absolutely. Does it help the team out enough to go ahead and change this lull of mediocrity that we've had over the last almost 40 games now? I'm going to say might not. No, I don't think so. Um, and like I said, I think they've both been really good for the Islanders. I have no problem with their performance at all. I, wild overpays for both. Um, those are the type of overpays you make when your team is on the cusp. You know, you're one of the top contenders. That's when you overpay for players like that. Not in the situation we're in. And here's the thing. We'll rue the day in a couple of years. Oh, we got nobody in our farm system. Well, there's a reason when you get rid of all your first and second round draft picks, you're not going to have a whole lot in your farm system. You're not going to have the high level talent. And that's, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of talent in our farm system now. I mean, you know, people, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, you know, draft is a crapshoot. Well, not if you got a, a good scouting staff. <laughs> you know, if you have a crummy scouting staff and they don't know how to evaluate the draft, well, okay, then draft picks don't mean anything, I guess. But you look at the teams that are good, they draft well. And that's that's just the way it is. I want to get – I want to ask you another question, Grumpy Man. You talked – you don't think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. What do you think the Islanders would have to do differently in the last 20 games of the season in order to make the playoffs? I don't know. I, I mean, I think that we're playing as good as we can play. I mean, we've played – we're playing playoff hockey out there every night. We just don't have the talent. I mean, you know, that's 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 the long and short of it. I mean, you can't say that our effort, is, effort isn't there. I mean, I will say, how many guys does it take to guard uh, – who was the guy? Who was the Ranger in the overtime game who took the puck into the corner? We had three guys covering him. Uh, I know Mika Zavinijad scored. Yeah, I'm not Zavinijad. sure who was the one. He scored. I forget who it was. But we had three guys covering him, two guys wide open in the center of the ice. I don't know what the heck Brock Nelson was doing. I mean, even though he scored a goal, he had a terrible game uh, Tuesday night. He was on his butt most of the game. I mean, just ugh. It is what it is. I mean, he's not the reason why we lost. Well, I guess you could say he was because he didn't cover the center of the ice where, like he's supposed to in that situation. Um, but that said, I think we played really well against the Rangers. I think we've been playing really well recently. It's just that we don't have the high-end talent to finish teams off. I mean, that just is what it is. But uh, we're going to see some good hockey the rest of the season, the rest of the regular season, though. I mean, I think we're seeing it now. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big stretch of important games, and it's going to be playoff atmosphere, just like we saw yesterday against the Rangers. I mean, that was a playoff atmosphere. And I love. Um, I know you were getting on the referees, but I like it when the referees let them go. I mean, you know what? Let them play. I mean, geez, Matt Barzal got away with uh, a Wayne Gretzky type of riding the guy back into the offensive zone kind of riding him around the waist, no penalty call, which I'm fine. You know, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with it as long as the officials are consistent the whole way through. If you're going to let them get away with that stuff, that's fine. I just don't like to see it called in a critical situation where you're, um, you know, where you're changing. Now, I will say the Islanders got the benefit of a makeup call uh, on the challenge um, of the goal uh, where we 
you know, we put the puck in the net with Andrews Lee, got the interference. We got a makeup call on a trip. Um, they had and, and, I, game. and I look at it like this. Um, well, they did call actually a trip against the Rangers earlier on in the game. And I look at it like this. I mean, I know we didn't win the challenge, which I thought was kind of BS, but I mean, we scored right after it. And it was because I, re- I really think we got energized and we got a little bit of fire in our pants when we, fe- we felt like the, the refs were screwing us. And that's sometimes good for a team. Uh, I mean, it helps energize a team and it helps them go in the right, right type of mindset. Um, it, it's, I, I do think the refs took away a point from us potentially yesterday. Um, that being said, I mean, when they when they have this, they don't call anything type of mentality. I think it just it, it does a disservice to the the actual structure of the game because oh. I mean your game is called one way the entire season. A hook is a hook. A slash is I mean. A slash is what they consider a slash now, a little tap on the wrist. Uh, you know, a cross-check is a cross-check. You know, all these penalties are consistent throughout the majority of the year. And then when you get to playoff time, it's a completely different set of rules. I'm not a big fan of it. I just wish they stayed consistent from regular season to postseason. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I like games like last night. I like where the referees let them go a little bit. I have no problem. I hate the one where they called the little ticky-tack fouls. drives me insane. Uh, Ticky tack penalties. Yep. And I just want to correct you. You said a fire in your pants. It almost sounds like you got a venereal disease or who knows what's going on. It's a fire in your belly. It's well, you light a fire. No, the the term is light a fire under your ass. So I said light a fire under your pants. You said have a fire in your pants. It's it's a fire in your belly. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. That's all. Trying to educate once again. That's what I'm. No. Educate well, masses. That's what I'm here for. Well, thanks so much, grumpy old man. You're welcome. Um, now, I, you've already given us your prediction yeah. against St. Louis and Boston, so you made it pretty easy. I mean, we don't even have to dive too much into it. I think we come out of those. I honestly think we come out with one point. I don't think we. I don't know how many points you think you come out with, but I think we we lose one in overtime. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe we do beat the Boston Bruins. I mean, we're retiring Butch Goring's number after all. And we saw the atmosphere in the barn um, when we retired John Tonelli's jersey. I mean, given it was against the Red Wings, uh, worst team in the league. But I think if we have a chance to beat a very talented team, something like the retiring of a number of Butch Goring would definitely help propel our team to do so. I'm actually going to change it. Not one point. I'm going to go with two points. We beat the Bruins. We lose to the Blues. Okay, I'll go. Still go with zero. Uh, you know the one thing about these retirement number ceremonies, you always—it's like old high school homecoming games. You want to make sure that you put the weakest team, uh, which they did for Tonelli, the weakest team that you know you kind of guarantee to win. Unfortunately, Butch doesn't have that luck. Uh, you know he's got to go against the Bruins. I think I don't—they're close to the top of the league, so. Uh, yeah, yes, they are. I think they're actually number one in the league. Okay, and they're playing extremely. I mean, they lost last night, but they've been playing extremely well. Um, and Tuka Rask kind of owns us in net too. I know he's got fantastic numbers against us, so I just, I just don't think that's a win for us. But I, I hope you're right. I hope we get four points. Prove me wrong. That's what I hope. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a big game. Big big two games here for the Islanders. Um, yeah. 
it's going to be a big stretch. There's a lot of important games coming up. I looked at the Rangers' schedule, Grumpy Old Man, when you were kind of talking about them. They've got a lot of tough games, too, and a lot of teams that are also playoff caliber around that playoff pitcher. And just like um, Butch and Brennan said, this is a time period when every single game is tough because there's a lot of teams in playoff contention. So it's going to be – I mean, no game's really a give me. I mean, sure, you've got the New Jersey Devils thrown in there once on both the Islanders and the Rangers – remaining schedule but i mean it's not like you're going to be playing teams like the cellar dwellers you know for the majority of the rest of the year i mean we're at least not lucky with our schedule that way neither of the rangers um but grumpy old man i I do want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always if there's nothing else you want to add in before we kind of wrap things up actually i do i made a mistake the islanders are actually five points ahead of the rangers uh three points ahead of the hurricanes and the blue jackets they're one point ahead of but uh, we have three games in hand on the blue on the Blue Jackets, so I think they're I think Carolina will make the playoffs. I, I'm not so confident about the Rangers; they play the same amount of games as we have. Um, so maybe we will make the playoffs. But I, I, you're right; I don't think that we're going to. I don't think we're going to come in the top three in the Atlantic, though. I just I just don't. You mean the Metro? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I call them the Atlantic. You know, the old Atlantic Division, whatever. I, I had forgotten, that's right, because I had gone into the mindset when we were down. I know we, we tied the game up late with, again, our goalie pulled. Um, or not with – was it with our goalie pulled, Grumpy yeah. Old Man? We tied the game. Yeah. Okay. It's odd. It's the, we've done it actually the last few games. I feel like we've done that twice in the last 10 games, which, I mean, is odd. I mean, you don't see that all that often when you pull the goalie. It actually successfully leads to an overtime situation. Um, that being said – yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I thought originally the Rangers were only three points behind the Islanders as well, but it turns out five. Um, that being said, it's it's an interesting time period. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for Saturday's game. I'm ready to see Butch Goring's number retired. Uh, I hope it is just as heartwarming and emotional as a commencement speech and uh, celebration of his time being an Islander as it was for John Tonelli just just last Saturday. Yeah, I, I love those ceremonies. I love hearing the old guys talk. Um, that's right in my wheelhouse. I remember all those players. Um, that was a great time to be an Islander fan. 16 guys won four consecutive cups. I mean, that's unheard of. And you'll never see it again, honestly. You'll never see that again. Um, like I said, they were great, great teams back then. And the best thing about them is they could play any style. That's what made them such a good team. If you wanted to skate, they could skate. If you wanted to grind and muck, you, they could do that. Um, it was fantastic. And they had the, uh, one of the greatest coaches who ever lived and a fantastic general manager and Bill Torrey and Al, uh, Al Arbor and Bill Torrey. Um, just great times to be an Islander fan. And, you know, as much as I bashed on Trotz and Lamarillo, which I do a lot of, I'd love to see. I'd love to speak to them in the same breath as those two guys. I don't see it happening, but I would love to one day speak of them in the same breath as Tory and Arbor. Mm-hmm. Well, Grumpy Man, I do want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure, and thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network again. They allow us to go ahead and publish this on multiple different platforms. No matter where you go ahead and listen to your podcast, it could be Apple, it could be Spotify, it could be SoundCloud, it could be Stitcher. 
It could be Google. It doesn't matter. Wherever you go ahead and listen to your podcast, the Hockey Podcast Network does post this podcast, which is the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you so much, Grumpfield Man. Thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Let's go Islanders. I mean, these are two important games. We're playing two top teams in the league. I mean, the Bruins' best team in the NHL, but we're playing them at the night we're retiring Butch Goring's number. So maybe we'll have a little extra juice, just like last Saturday, and it's going to maybe put us over the edge. It's all we can hope for.